Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi. Well, we have got a question today from Ruth E. from Portland, Oregon. And we're going to be talking about, am I feeling crazy? Do I need a psychotherapist? Here's what Ruth says. And Ruth, we want to thank you for this question. Ruth says, I've always been an intense and high-strung person. But since my six-year-old son died of a massive infection after only six hours in the hospital, I am just over the top. It's been three months. Do you think I need to see a psychiatrist? Wow, Ruth, well, first of all, Heidi and I both wanna say, we are so sorry about your loss just three months ago. It's not a long time, is it, Heidi? No, it's not. And it's, I think it's very normal to feel like you are going crazy especially in those early, early months. I mean, to lose your six-year-old is horrific. And it's normal to, to not recognize yourself and not know who you are anymore because you're in the throes of grief. Yeah, in, in, incredible to have that sudden loss after that amount of time. Well, let's talk, Heidi, a little bit about how people do know whether they need treatment. And, and let's talk a little bit too about, she said, um, do I need to see a psychiatrist? So let's start out fielding it by how would somebody know if they might wanna reach out for help after they've had a, a, a sudden loss where they can really put their finger on an event that happened like the death of a child or the death of a spouse or um, you know, uh, the death of a parent. So how would I know, uh, what would I be looking for? Well, I guess I would say to anybody that if you feel like you wanna see somebody that it doesn't hurt to go in and see them, but I would not start with a psychiatrist. I would start with a psychologist or a social worker or a counselor. Um, and then I would have those people decide whether or not you should be referred to a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. um, psychiatrist's job is to medicate, is to give people medication. And that may or may not be what you need right now. You might not need to just talk to somebody. Well, it's early, but you've got to look at, and we may be talking, Heidi, not only to the person it's happened to, we may be talking to a family member or friend. And what you really want to take a look at, you know, early on is, are they safe? You know, are they talking about not wanting to live anymore? But I want to say specifically, there are two kinds of not wanting to live in the world of grief and loss. One of them, and I said it myself when my son was killed, I want to join them. Right. I, I would like to be with them. You know, I feel like I don't want to live anymore. I want to be with them. But I didn't have a plan. And I wasn't going to kill myself. It was just that I was so sad. A man who was in the Holocaust, uh, his family died in the Holocaust, made the statement once, I remember hearing many years ago, that the pull of the grave is strong. And sometimes, honestly, you feel like it's a handout, almost pulling you in that direction. So that's a lot different than saying, um, I, I'm going to kill myself, being suicidal, you know, and then you have to get involved in a suicide assessment. And Heidi, maybe you want to just mention quickly about what you might want to ask somebody if, if you really feel like they're suicidal. Well, like you said, mom, oftentimes we might say we want to die and we don't want to be here anymore because we want to be out of the pain or we want to be with that person that died. But that is different than someone that is actively suicidal. And by that, I mean, they have a plan, like you said, but they also have access to the plan. So they've thought about this. They might have, the plan might be, okay, I'm gonna take pills. And they have collected pills and have enough where they could overdose. 
-hmm. they could die. So, you know, we need to see if they have a plan, if they have access to a plan. Oftentimes, if people are suicidal, they've talked about it. They've said it to people. They've thrown it out there. They may have written about it. So that often happens as well. And it's very serious. I always take any of this very seriously because I would rather err on the side of caution than minimize what's going on. And you and can ask people. You right. can say to somebody who's had a loss, are you feeling, you're telling me you want to join them. Are you feeling like you want to kill yourself? And, and if they're not, they're likely like, no, no way. I, you know, I have other responsibilities. So, so don't be afraid to gas. The other thing is, are they harming other people? Are you harming other people? And by that, um, like Craig Scott, whose uh, sister was killed in Columbine. How do you remember on our radio show where Craig said that he started beating his brother up right. after his sister was killed? So they're aggressively doing things to other people. Then you have to, again, say um, that's a sign that they certainly need, you certainly need to get help. Absolutely. But I would have to say out there, if people are, I mean, I'm a, a psychologist and in practice and, and as are you. And I would say out there, if there's anybody out, if there's anybody watching today that does, is actively suicidal, and they're very serious about it, they need to call 911 or go to their nearest emergency room. Um, Absolutely. And reach out to friends immediately. Um, and like you said, most people are most people that are grieving are not in that space. Uh, right. So be out of the great pain they're in. And like you said, Craig was becoming violent to other people. So he mm -hmm. needed someone to talk to that would not judge him, that was objective, that would take his, you know, take the grief journey with him. And that's what I do as a therapist. Mm -hmm. so, support you. so Heidi Ruth's talking about that it's only been three months let's talk a little bit about Catherine Shear at uh, Columbia University who has a program for complicated grief and uh, it's you know it's not that complicated after three months if you're having some of these symptoms right well Dr. Shear says that uh, anything that happens within the, within the first 12 months she would not label as complicated grief so, you know, if you're in the first year, you need to take that into consideration because in the first year, we don't recognize ourselves and oftentimes grief feels crazy in the first year. Mm -hmm. And um, let's talk a little bit about insurance issues quickly, Heidi, because if you do get to a licensed therapist, they're going to have to give you a diagnosis if you get insurance. Right. And that's a problem for some people. Um, you, unless you pay out of pocket, but if you're paying with, through insurance, we do have to give you a diagnosis. Oftentimes I will give in the diagnosis of adjustment disorder. With mixed features. Because <laughs> I don't think that, uh, people that are in the first year are clinically depressed unless they have a history of clinical depression, mm. which began before the person died. That's a really good point. Take a look at what, how you were feeling before or your family members. Or if they were feeling depressed, taking antidepressants, doing their thing, uh, they probably already have uh, maybe have had a therapist in their past and they may want to reconnect with them. However, Heidi, let's talk about Ruth, you decide that you would like a therapist. How do we get a good fit, Heidi? Well, you need to shop around and sometimes the good fit is the first person, but oftentimes it's not. Do you feel comfortable in the room? It's a very you know, intimate relationship. You're telling this person everything. And it's very emotional. It's a, it's a, you know, hard relationship. So you want to make sure you're comfortable. You don't feel judged. Uh, this is somebody that's there for you. That's your advocate that will support you. 
that will not tell you to get over it, that will not tell you to have closure, that will not, you know, tell you that there's stages that you need to adhere to. Um, I would ask them questions. I'd interview the, them. They're working for you. I love the fact that you say good fit, Heidi. I think that is so, so true. Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, also, what about somebody who is trained in the area of grief and loss? I think that's great. I think I would try to get someone that's, that's you know, got training in the grief and loss fields. Um, that being said, even if you have training, it doesn't mean you're a good therapist. Mm -hmm. So I would still make sure that it's good for you. What's good for you might not be good for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And what about um, trying some groups like the Compassionate Friends or Soaring Spirits Foundation or some groups in your local community that you can probably find out from hospice or call the hospital? What about groups? I love groups because it makes you feel, it normalizes it. You feel like you're not alone. Other people have been there. And uh, I think the thing about a group that I think we, you really have to think about is the first time, usually you want to run for the exit immediately. And if you can just stay there for three, go three times. The research shows that three times is really key. Oftentimes after the third session, you will, you will feel like you want to go back. Mm -hmm. So really, uh, friends, I, I had a, a friend who was a very famous psychiatrist and he said to me, Gloria, if someone who's had a loss could had three friends that they could tell everything to, they wouldn't need therapy, which I thought was uh, kind of sweet. But one thing, again, let me emphasize, you have to look at past history also. You know, we don't want you to go too low. If you've had depression in your past, make sure you get that helping strong hand that you need, Ruth, and you need to take care of yourself. If you even think that you might need a therapist, go see one. It's not something that you have to commit to for the rest of your life. Right now, you're in a major transition. You've had a loss. You don't know how you're going to survive. There's nothing wrong with going to talk to somebody and doing it until you don't feel like doing it anymore, until it's not working. Right. Great. Well, thanks for uh, watching the show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you to visit us at opentohope.com. And also, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your 